Memphis, welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday, y'all. And welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio. My name is Toby Sells. I am a reporter with the Memphis Flyer and the host of this here radio show that is recorded, mixed, mastered, and sunbaked for you this week down at Flyer Headquarters, right here on beautiful Cotton Road downtown. We are beamed into the sky and into your radio from the center of the universe. Crosstown Concourse. And it's WYXR radio station right here at 91.7 FM. Thank you to all the good folks over there making great community radio happen. Now, if you haven't already, consider a donation to the station. You can do that over there at WYXR.org. And this show comes to you, of course, from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer. We are your alternative news weekly based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee, USA. And if you like what we do, please consider joining our frequent flyer club. Over there, you can support local and alternative journalism right here in your own town. More details on all of that is over at memphisflyer.com. The show is brought to you today by your next MLGW bill. The world is on fire right now, but that's okay. You went a little nuts on Amazon Prime Day, and those little packages arriving daily have helped you forget about all the ills of the earth. Those new AirPods sure look snazzy, and can you believe I got that protein powder that I love for 50% off? Now, these new sheets were a bit expensive, even for Prime Day, but the thread count, though, the thread count. Ah, life and the post-Prime Day bliss could last forever. But it won't, because I'll stop it. I'm your upcoming MLGW bill. While you've been lounging on your new sheets and drinking those protein shakes and listening to your new AirPods, I've been working, okay? And you've forgotten about me. Do you love the heat? I didn't think so. Who keeps you cool? Me. And it's time to pay the piper. Just when you're planning your next getaway or splurging on Amazon again, that's when I show up to throw cold water on all of it. You forgot. MLGW didn't. I'm your next bill. Now, MLGW warned you about these new high prices and the summer heat, and you could have read all about it in the Memphis Flyer. Now, maybe you did, but maybe you forgot, but MLGW didn't. So the next time you're daydreaming about what you'll do with that little bit of (laughs) discretionary income, stick your head outside and listen to your air conditioner hum. Remember, folks, the meter's running and I'm in the mail. I'm your upcoming MLGW bill. Woo, okay, this show is brought to you by the Memphis Heat and your upcoming MLGW bill. Great show for you today. We'll have Abigail Marisi talking about cockroaches. It's pretty interesting, I promise. We'll have Jackson Baker. He's got our cover story this week. It's all about the August election that's coming up. This is need-to-know stuff, folks. You'll want to stick around for that. And also, we're going to talk cheese dip with our man, Michael Donahue. I'm also going to bring you some quotes from an issue that's brewing at Memphis City Hall right now. The folks that are building one bill, they want us to back up a loan for this thing, and it's a pretty big deal. We'll have more of that later in the show. All right, folks, that is it. Here we go. Oh, 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 
Jackson Baker is our political editor over here at the Memphis Flyer, and there is no time more important to have a political editor than right now as we approach the August elections coming up. That's our cover story this week. It's called Blue. It's an election preview from Jackson. It's going to be the good stuff. Jackson joins me here. Jackson, tell us about this election coming up. It's going to be a bit of a segue to the election, the county election of four years ago, when the Democrats finally got their numbers together, got everybody voting, and had a sweep of the countywide seats. Now, it's interesting because they had an electoral majority for two elections before that, but the Republicans won those elections. The Democrats were just slow to get organized. They seem to be organized now, so I expect a replay of sorts in this election. I think the Democratic candidates will definitely win, I would say, majority races, and they will win all of the countywide races. And I think that's interesting, too. The city council, they're nonpartisan over there. You don't know who's a Democrat or Republican. You can tell who's a progressive, maybe, and a conservative uh, on some votes, but you don't have to put that on any ballot anywhere. On the county commission, you do. And so you definitely have D's and R's up there. And I think that it's interesting, I think, to people that there would be such a a lot of Republicans in Shelby County were seen as a blue dot in a red state. That's not true, right? No, it is true. It used to be that Shelby County was one of two blue dots, Nashville being the other. But the legislature carved up the districts when they re- when they gerrymandered this year so that Nashville is not able to produce a number of Democrats in office okay. that, that their numbers would do. We still can. They could not do anything to uh, Steve Cohen's congressional district because any way they cut it up, it was going to be Democratic. And Democrats are now dominating the county. They outnumber Black Democrats outnumber white Republicans is what it comes down to. And that trend is continuing, and that augurs well for Democratic candidates. What does it do for policies on the ground for Shelby County to have more progressive people in these offices? It means that, for example, in the DA's race, even though there's a Democrat and a Republican contesting that, Steve Mulroy and Amy Wyrick, I personally doubt very seriously that either one of the women in office next year will be remotely interested in pursuing the anti-abortion law that the legislature passed. which doesn't mean that there won't be prosecutions because the legislature also passed a law that says that when a local district attorney refuses to deal with a prosecution, they can appoint somebody themselves to prosecute. But I think that in cases like that where you have overtly progressive versus conservative issues, progressive issues will get denied. And uh, what are the races? Uh, We've got the DA's race, you say, in the cover story this week. That is undoubtedly the marquee race that's happening here between Amy Wyrick, the incumbent, and Steve Mulroy, the challenger. There's a ton of other races out there, though. What are some other ones that are interesting? Of course, there's the mayor's race in which a city councilman, Worth Morgan, is challenging Lee Harris, the incumbent Democrat. I don't think that he has a chance to win, but what I think and what a lot of other people think is that he's establishing name recognition for a possible race for Memphis mayor next year, in which, given all those possible splits that you might find in that race, he could win. That's Then you've got a, a race for juvenile court judge that is interesting, but Dan Michael, the Republican, well, he's not, they don't run as Republicans, Democrats, but he more or less is identified with the Republicans. Tariq Sugarman, who's running nonpartisan as well, is identified with the Democrats. That's going to be a tight race, and whoever wins that will inflect things enormously because juvenile court has been controversial in recent years and it's been monitored by the Justice Department. 
And we start to Sugarman thinks should, they should do again, and Dan Michael thinks they shouldn't. Whoever wins, that will get his way. Absolutely. And in the flyer this week, you can pick it up. And if you don't know who the people are, you don't know where to vote, you don't know what some of the offices are, maybe what they do, pick it up this week. Jackson has really collected all of that stuff together. So the flyer this week is really going to be your election guide for whoever you want to vote for, but it'll tell you who these people are, where to go vote. Now, a lot of judges, you talked about the juvenile judge, court judge there is up, but there's a ton of judges up. And I tell you, Jackson, I watch stuff pretty closely, but I have no idea who to vote for on these judges. People who do know, presumably, are the lawyers because they intersect with these people every day in their daily work. Most people, mostly people have no idea not only who the judges are, but how they do, the ones they do know the names of. And so what we have in this issue is the lawyers poll. The lawyers were polled, the lawyers of Shelby County were polled, and they expressed their preferences in all of the positions. And there, gosh, I forgot how many positions there are, but they're numerous. It's dozens of them. Dozens of yeah. positions. And uh, that's worth consulting to see who their fellow professionals think can do the job. Yeah, and, and it's a great roundup, great guide. So if you're confused at all about these judges, still want to vote, pick that up. I think you can take, can you still take stuff into the election booth with sure, you? Sure, this is a perfect thing to take into the election booth with Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's all there in this week's Memphis Flyer, y'all. Go pick it up and go vote. Jackson, thanks for uh, thanks for getting all this great information together and, and watching the polls for us. You bet. Michael Donahue, he's a name and a face that over here at the Memphis Flyer been doing it for us. He covers everything from parties to music. And this week, you wrote about food, which you do very well. Another great kind of, not off the beaten path story, which you do very well, but you found a guy making cheese dip. And if cheese dip is, is big anywhere, it's going to be big in Memphis, Tennessee. So we're post ponchos at this point, but we got a new up and coming guy making his own cheese dip. Who is this guy? It's Andrew Arbogast. It's Arbo's Cheese Dip. And this is like just about a little over a year later since he introduced it. And it's incredible. I think it's, I don't know how many stores, tons of stores. But he is about to come out with two more cheese dips types. He's going to do the queso, the white, and he's going to have a spicy dip. But it's just delicious. It's wonderful. And he's just one of those success stories that it was actually his dad's recipe and he took it and ran with it and developed these two new ones and in august he's going to be in texas grocery chain grocery stores which is very big that's huge yeah especially cheese dip in texas goes together so it's really neat and it's neat for memphis and now that ponchos has moved out of memphis it's he's in the right place at the right time it absolutely is and uh, i've had arbos i think it's fantastic i never was one of those guys that took cheese dip really seriously but man when i got to memphis i realized what a big deal it was here and then now you've got what tom's tiny kitchen you've got arbos maybe there's another one out there i don't know if los delicias does one but why on earth is cheese dip a thing in memphis I don't know, but yeah. it's huge. And people ship cheese dip to other cities. Yeah. I know they were doing that with Poncho's yeah. when Poncho's was here. But uh, I just, he had a couple of these, he had these new dips. He's been showing them at pop-ups. Uh-huh. And at the recent St. Louis Hole-in-One Charity Festival, he had some out there. And I literally, I was eating some with the chips. And then I went, oh, man. And I just poured the dip into a <laughs> cup and drank it. <laughs> 
So I guess I fit in with all the people around here who love cheese dip. That's right. I mean, that, I never thought about it like that, but it, it can be a food and a beverage. Oh, it's wonderful. We need to get to work on it. Maybe get Mem Pops involved and they can make like a cheese dip popsicle. That would be amazing. <laughs> Actually, that sounds very good. That does sound kind of good. One thing I really liked about this guy, he talked about when he was developing these new dips, he said it took about seven months and just a lot of failure to get to the recipes that he liked. What was his process? What was going on with him? It had to be exactly what he wanted, and he didn't just settle for anything. And it, he just kept trying and finally succeeded. He had the perfect dip that he wanted, and apparently it worked. He was trying to get the consistency, and then he was trying to get the flavors right for that, that white queso dip. But I do love that in there. He said it was a seven months of failure. And that's a really humbling, really great thing, I think, for an entrepreneur like that to, yeah, to admit. Too. But it's really cool. Go check out Michael's story this week. It's all about Arbo's cheese dip in there. And uh, the story is really that he's signed all these distribution deals and that he's going to be, like you said, going into Texas and some other places. So great news about a great Memphis product. Switching gears on you just a little bit. We talked a little bit about Lost Elysius there a minute ago, but apparently they're going into a Miss Cordelia's. Yeah. And what's different about this, they've got some, they've got dips in there. So they do dips, but they don't do cheese dip. Okay. These are, I hope I'm correct about this. So they do two other types of dips. They do pico de gallo, uh-huh. And they do guacamole. And they've been carrying that at Cordelia's Market. But now they're going to be cooking in the kitchen and they're going to have more things in the cold food section. So it's like I said in my story, it's a third location for Las Delicias, except it's a location within a location. Which you know? is huge. I mean, you get Mexican- and their chips, too. I'm sorry. They've been carrying oh, their chips. Oh, yeah, there. man. Those things are killer. But it is cool that you can now get Mexican food on the island over there. I know there's going to be a new Italian place going in over there. Cocosa is going in. Just adding to the culinary buffet over there on, on Mud Island. And, and man, Las Delicias is just awesome. Their chips are great, number one. But then when you go, if I eat Mexican, that's where I want to go. And also, they're going to have Muddy's Bake Shop. And this is oh, all happening in, uh-huh. in July 20th is when they're launching these things. And Muddy's is going to have some of their products, their sweets right. over there. So That'll- it's going to be, it's great. But what I went over to Cordelia's to take photos for my story. And it's just so cool. You're going to have Muddy's and you've got Las Delicias. And I looked around and like you said, there was a Mempops booth. And it's just very cool all this stuff coming out of memphis that's right know, and hopefully national and already national for most of this stuff yeah so, which is cool very cool again folks go pick up the memphis flyer this week or look for more news on memphisflyer.com from our guy michael donahue who's going to tell you what to eat what to listen to and uh, what parties to go to michael thanks so much man thank you toby Now, I know that the city's finances may sound like a snooze fest to many of y'all out there, but something started brewing at City Hall this week that is unprecedented. Carlisle Corp., the group that's been building one bill for what feels like decades now, asked the Memphis City Council this week to back a loan for the third hotel it is planning to build on the one bill site at Front and Beal. On the outset, this may not sound strange or interesting, I know, but it's never been done before. Back in April, Carlisle asked the city to back half of the loan. The council approved it, and even that had never been done before. And now, the city has done deals with developers for a long time. Think about Bass Pro Shop and the Pyramid. We, the taxpayers, own the building, and then we renovated it to allow Bass Pro to move in. And that's the difference. If we back up this loan, 
we wouldn't own any piece of one bill. But if the hotel is a flop or if another pandemic hits or something like that, then we, the taxpayers of Memphis, not the owners of Carlisle or one bill, will have to pay back 100% of that over the next 30 years. The city's finance experts seemed leery of the deal early Tuesday. They said they had not yet had the deal fully vetted by their financial experts. And city officials in Mayor Jim Strickland's office said that they talked to the state about the loan, and those officials said that they had grave concerns about it. The ask from Carlisle came early during the council's meeting Tuesday. They ultimately delayed a vote on that matter until Thursday, so that meeting was held after the deadline for this radio show. So if you want the latest news on the meeting, head over to memphisflyer.com. We'll have a story over there. Tuesday's meeting was heated, though. This loan, as boring as it sounds, is a huge deal. For now, I just wanted to share some quotes from that first meeting Tuesday morning to give you a feel of some of the issues and the emotions that are guiding this decision. First up is Doug McGowan, the city COO. That basically means he's the guy who gets things done. He outlined three financial incentives already given to Carlisle for one bill. First, we and you all authorized a 30-year payment in lieu of taxes to help get that done. Second, the first ever rebate of local option sales tax to help finance the project. And then recently, just a few months ago, I think it was a few months ago or a few weeks ago, we approved essentially a 50% backstop of a second debt service reserve fund for the bonds that would be issued through the Center City Revenue Finance Corporation. And that was unprecedented action at the time as well. That kind of activity shows that this is important for the city, that we are invested in this. This development will provide additional hotel rooms that we need for our convention center. And so that's why the development is important to the city. And that's why we did many of the things that we did, and we advocated for those kinds of investments. So today, because of the economic conditions, you're going to be asked to increase the investment by the city, increase the city's commitment to the project. Chance Carlisle explained to the council why he needs the additional backup for the loan. It is always nice to be here, although unexpected to be back for a third time. Um, No one wanted to... uh, be back before you, we are ready to break ground. We have raised all of the money that we need to raise from our equity side, and we're prepared to close our senior construction loan today and break ground. We have 21% MWB ownership. 14% is local black ownership from Memphis. Every neighborhood in Memphis is represented in the ownership stack of this capital. Hard partnerships, long conversations, a lot of trust to get to that. One bill remains the most important economic development project in downtown and helps shore up and solidify public investments that the administration has made from Tom Lee Park to the Mobility Center to, yes, the Convention Center, But the facts of the matter is, from when we started, when we were approached by the Downtown Memphis Commission to do this project and courted, after having spent several million dollars of A&E fees and development to bring this to today, the bond market has gone south. It is not anything that is the administration's fault, our fault, or your fault, but it is a fact. In March, when you guys had the 50% backstop, the projections from the city's or actually technically the DMC's bond underwriters, 
that we presented was 74, almost $75 million. Today, that number is below 60. The project with the 50-50 cannot go forward as structure. We are coming today with a solution sponsored by y'all that restores that amount of money to $66.5 million, which is the commitment we made to our minority partners and to our banks. The very foundational other pieces of capital that are supposed to close today to start construction today. We have three choices today. We can approve the 100% backstop. We can dilute our equity partners, primarily our minority equity partners, or we can just call it quits and walk away. Next comes the always outspoken Edmund Ford Sr. He said he wanted to basically put the people of Memphis before any hotel developer. Money is very important. It's important to me today. Any dime that we spend. Cheyenne, I called last week in our district. You live on Bluebird and I live on the corner. Hell. Nastiest doggone neighborhood, mine, because they haven't picked up anything. It's not only my district, it's all over the city. This is a very nasty city. When it comes down to money today, that's my priority. Okay? Clean my areas up. This city needs to be clean. Okay? I want everybody to understand that today, but it's a shame. And that's not just my district. Come to Jones as you drive down the street. What's going on here? Everybody wants money. I want money put to clean up this city before anything. That's why I'm going to bring this and I'm going to put it in executive session. And anybody else today, when y'all have committees and somebody want to talk about money, let's think about cleaning the city up first, okay? Before we give anybody a dime. Because that's what our constituents are complaining about. Okay? It's a shame. Next was Shirley Ford, the city's chief financial officer. Backstopping 50% was unprecedented, as Chief McGowan said. Backstopping 100% changes who we are and the structure of what we are to this deal. I think it is important that you understand that the 50% was something that we really stretched into. We did it very deliberately with great advice from our financial advisors, PFM, and from the state comptroller's office. We want to make sure that that you have the correct information, that you have full transparency, that you understand this, because it, it is material and significant to the city of Memphis for a great number of years, making us investors in this development. And that's a new that's a new structure for us. We gave this information, this revised information to our financial advisors yesterday. <clears throat> they have not had the opportunity to completely vet it. I did talk to the state comptroller yesterday. He has very grave concerns about the direction that this investment has now taken. The project has the backing of many minority investors. Carolyn Hardy, a well-known Memphis business leader, is one of them. She said if the rest of the investors feel like they're going to lose their money on the deal, they'd, quote, have a bad taste in their mouth. Edmund Ford Sr. took umbrage to this and delivered this scorching rebuke. 
Ma'am, please stand back up. Yes. You said bad taste in the black community? Yes. Ma'am, please don't ever say that. Hotel is not gonna put no bad doggone taste in the black community. What's gonna put a bad taste in the black community is when, hey, you don't clean up my community, you neglect it, you do this, that, and the other. So please, regroup yourself. And then your investors that you send, please don't mess with my black people. We have been neglected too doggone long. And then you're going to sit there and talk about bad taste for a hotel. Don't ever say that again. Please do not say that to my people. Please give them some development with some homes, things like that. That's what will give them a bad taste when you let it go being run down, when you go into my neighborhood and there's nothing there. It ain't about no hotel. So don't go there anymore. That pisses me off, and I'm a black man. Okay? Do not say anything. Sit back down. Worth Morgan is a council member who is also running for Shelby County Mayor, he said he didn't see what the big deal was about the loan and said, if anything, the council was not moving fast enough. There hadn't been a significant material change to project revenues, any projections, things like that. that that's what the hesitation and the slowness of this from the administration's point of view, that, that's what seems off to me here. And in our relationship over the last seven years discussing, this frankly surprises me in terms of the inability to work through a decision like this quickly given the time pressures of the market. But Patrice Robinson, a council member, urged a bit of caution because the decision is a big one that could impact Memphis down the road. We've got to make sure that this is a great deal for all citizens of Memphis. It is our responsibility, council members, not just to represent the minority community or just one philanthropic group or another. It is our responsibility to make sure that we make the best decision for the one of the poorest cities in the United States. And if we make a mistake, we can make them even poorer. Abigail Marisi is a name you know if you've picked up the Memphis Flyer. She's in our pages a lot. She's the one who actually helps you get your weekend together, but uh, not on the show very often. But this week you had a story in the Flyer that was so compelling that it absolutely needed some airtime. This is a story you're only going to read in the Memphis Flyer. We are the only ones that have the bandwidth and the creativity and just the great sources to know about this guy. It's called the Dubai Dude. I'm going to leave it right there and let Abigail explain who this guy is. Yeah, so Kevin Wong started this business of selling roaches, breeding roaches, <laughs> and at first glance, you're like, that's weird. But he seems like a cool dude. He adopts, or he bought two bearded dragons, Spyro and Godzilla, and he was feeding them crickets, and he was like, this is not really what I want to do. They were jumping around, and Godzilla had an issue with his tail, so he needed more protein and nutrients. And apparently this <laughs> these roaches, Juvia roaches, they're better for them. And so he bought some online, they came in, some of them had like already died, and they were like loose in the box, which meant that they were just kind of like crawling out. Okay. 
And so he's I don't like doing this. So he started breeding them in his bedroom closet. <laughs> but before we hop into that, let me recap. I said it wrong. Dubia, dude. Is that a kind of cockroach? Yeah, it's rich. So this guy, Kevin Wong, he had two bearded dragons. One had a problem with his tail, needed some more protein. He found these specific roaches he wanted to buy for this project to help his his help his Godzilla, was that the name of it? Yeah. To help Godzilla with his tail. He got them in. They didn't look great. He thought he was going to do it himself. <laughs> Like you do, you just, and then, so he starts breeding cockroaches in his closet. Yeah. What happens after that? It started like a booming business. He reached out on Facebook being like, hey, does anybody else want these roaches? And they're <laughs> like, sure, we'll buy some. So he would drive to their house, deliver the roaches, and then eventually he started a website, and that's when it started shipping nationally. And at the time, he was working at T-Mobile, but then he quit his job, sell the roaches <laughs> full-time. And also, he could travel more. He got his, like, scuba diving license while, like, traveling That's and amazing. selling roaches at his house where his mom packed them up, which, like, God bless her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. There's some super creepy moments in the story. Go to the, go pick up a, a, the copy of the flyer this week. It's on the stands, or you can see it all at memphisflyer.com. Pick it up, because there are some kind of creepy moments in the story <laughs> when he was talking about he was breeding these roaches. I guess they were in his closet. And at night, he could hear yeah. them in there. No, thank you. <laughs> so many people, that's one of those things on the internet. People would be hyperbolic about it and say, mm -hmm. I'm going to move out and burn down the house because you have all these cockroaches. But yeah. he's got, so he moved them out of his closet into another bedroom somewhere. Yeah. And he's got, how many cockroaches does he have? Yes. He, he said between 100,000 and 200,000, oh, which is a gosh. lot. <laughs> that's nightmare fuel is what that is. That <laughs> is amazing. Again, all jokes aside, it's a great story about a really great Memphis guy who started a business and a niche business. And Abigail did it really well, too. So go check that out. The uh, headline is Buggin', the Dubia Dude. And you can see Kevin Wong in a photo there with uh, his two dragons on his shoulders. Switching gears just a little bit. Abigail is the one who gets our calendar together. She writes our stepping out section in the back. So if you've ever looked in the flyer and you thought, I have never heard of this event, I'm going to go, you can thank Abigail for that. And she does a really great job. This week, we've got two very different pieces in there about things you can do this weekend. What's mm -hmm. the first one? So there's going to be kitty yoga at the Humane Society. <laughs> it is what it sounds like. You yeah. get to do yoga with a bunch of kitties. It's not more complicated than that, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it might be chaotic. They're, ki <laughs> they're kittens. They're about three months old. Yeah. They sound like a blast. Yeah. We've done goat yoga now for years, and the, mm -hmm. maybe the shine is working off of that, yeah. wearing off of that. Now we've got to move on to, to cat yoga. So where's this event? It's at the Humane Society. Pick up a, a copy of the flyer this week, and you can find all the details about cat yoga at the Humane mm -hmm. Society. And then on the other side over there, the other mm -hmm. one, the, what's the other event you wrote about? Yeah, so the Brooks has a new exhibit. It's about digital art, NFTs, and like other ways people can incorporate digital art into their art. Yep. Yeah, so it's really cool. A bunch of local artists have done some digital things. Some of them have made it specifically for the exhibit. And this weekend, they're having two different talks. One of them is just about like digital art in general. And the other one is about NFTs and all that crazy jazz. Right. Some stuff. Go out there, check out the digital art exhibit at the Brooks this weekend. You can also check out cat yoga over at the Humane <laughs> Society. And if you want to read about cockroaches, you can pick up and read Abigail as well. You really had a kind of a breadth of things you wrote about this week. Yeah. That's the excellence we expect. Abigail Marisi writes for the Memphis Flyer. She's here. Thank you so much for Thank all you do. Thank you. All right, folks, that is going to do it for my half of Memphis Flyer Radio, the talk half of the show. 
But stick around for that second half over there. We got Alex Green, our music editor, who is going to spin you some records, tell you some tales. And folks, he's going to sound great doing it, I promise. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for us. Have a great weekend. Alex, take it away. Thank you. Thank you.